Hello, everyone. Welcome. If you don't know me, my name's Mark. I'm one of the leaders of the church here. We are now well into this great little series on life in the Holy Spirit, entitled Encounter, <coughs> which is wonderful. I've got a really good friend, some of us know uh, him, Julian Adams. I was thinking about this word encounter, and, and, uh, and he was saying, what we want to keep going after is habitation. So we're encountering the Holy Spirit, but we want to have that habitation. That, and we're, so we're talking about, what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to live within us, to encounter him, and to him to come and make his home among us? I've been given the wonderful privilege today... Um, and I was so excited, when, literally I was so excited when I was told, we'd like you to speak on listening out for and following the Holy Spirit. I was, yes, because it's one of my favorite subjects. I believe God speaks to us today. I believe God speaks in all sorts of creative ways, and it's a real passion of mine, and I, I love it. Um, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge, isn't it? How do I know when God is speaking and then... How to respond. How do I know when God is speaking and and how do I respond to that? Some of you will know that I attempt uh, to run five kilometers every Saturday morning at nine o'clock with something called Park Run. And uh, yesterday was my 213th time of attempting to do that. But uh, <laughs> um, it, was, uh, it, is a ch- it is a challenge at times. But I was uh, running along a couple of weeks ago, and there was a, if you know Lydia Park at the top, they've changed the gates right at the top, and they've taken some of the big old gates out, and the ground's quite uneven. And uh, a man took quite a tumble in front of me. Most people are in front of me, and I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw this man take a tumble. Anyways, I went on round a corner and ran. He was sort of semi-jogging, but he was holding his fingers and holding his hand. But when you've got that amount of people sort of running along, there's over 500 there now on a Saturday. Um, it's tricky to know quite what to do. I said, are you all right? Yeah, yeah. I think I dislocated my hand. Anyway, so I didn't realize he did jog a bit. And at the end, as we went through the finishing funnel, I realized he was just behind me and sort of was walking along, holding his hand like this, holding his fingers. And uh, as we talk this morning about hearing the voice of God, I want to say to you that one of the words I use a lot is the word nudge. I often feel a nudge. Now, you will, some of you will know what I mean by that. Some of you are saying, I'm still learning. What are you talking about? But it's like that internal prod, that prod, that, that nudge. Sometimes it's a little voice. Maybe you feel like it's a little internal voice, the voice of the conscience, but there's this, there's this nudge. And I, I get lots of nudges, and I think lots of us do. We just don't always realize that it's God. We don't always realize it's the Holy Spirit. And then sometimes afterwards you go, ah, oh, maybe that was God. <laughs> and Oh, bother, I missed the moment. Anyway, I felt this nudge. Go over and talk to him, see how he's doing. And as I sort of thought, well, yeah, okay, I'm a, I'm a friendly sort of chap. I'll, I'll go and just see how he's doing. I also felt a little nudge and, and offered to pray for him. It's like, not on your life, you know. It's like, <laughs> what? Anyway, so I'm walking over. In the split second, I'm having this internal conversation with God. So I'm, I'm, you know, I said, oh, are you all right? How are you doing? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I think I've dislocated my fingers. And then out of my mouth started to say, I found myself saying, well, I'm a Christian. And um, I said, oh, no, I started by saying, this is probably rather weird, but I'm a Christian. Um, and, and I said, I believe in God. I believe God's alive today. I, I believe in, in prayer, you see. And fortunately, this guy said, oh, good, he said, which I thought was helpful. <laughs> um, I thought, oh, that's, uh, that's the leading of the Lord then. Um, 
And I just simply, I just put my hand on him and I said, God bless this man, take the pain away and heal him. Amen. And then legged it off down there. (laughs) I didn't quite, I sort of walked a bit alongside, are you going to be all right? You're going to drive okay, I said. He said, oh yeah, he said, my wife will help me. And I realized, most people, you, you might not know, I'm actually virtually blind in my right eye. So things that come up on right hand side, I don't always see them. You're... Um, and, he's, and I realized that there was this woman like walking along. It's like, who is this strange bloke who's just touched my husband, you know? So anyway, so last week, I thought, I need to look out for him. I wonder, you know, I wonder what's happened. But just to show you my level of faith, I kept looking for a man who had a very large bandage on his hand. So that probably wasn't... The, I should have been looking for a man without a bandage. But anyway, how do we hear from God? Now, you may be saying... I never hear God. God never speaks to me. I want to respectfully say to you, that is not true. All right, do we need to fix something? or No. I want to respectfully say that is not true. It's not that God never speaks. I suspect it's much more likely for all of us, myself included, that we have a lot more to learn about how to recognize his voice. And to follow him. The courage to follow him. You see, I think a good test of whether I am a follower of Jesus is found in a great chapter, John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is talking about his relationship with his people being like one of a shepherd with sheep. A pastoral picture, a picture of care and love. And Jesus says this, how can I tell if I'm one of Jesus' sheep? Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Okay, so that's our starting point. Right at the very ground level, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. So I want to say to you that a big part of Christian life, why do we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because as you'll hear in a minute, the Spirit is God. So a big part of the Christian life is about getting to know Jesus. Why? Because we want to get to know his voice. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. That's what a Christian is. Someone who's following Jesus, who's recognizing the voice of God. So we need to stay close to him. We need to be filled with him and following. So if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that Jesus died in your place for your sin, that you've been raised to new life with him, then as we've been hearing over the last two weeks, we have a wonderful, wonderful gift that is given to us. It's the gift of God with us. God in us. You know that wonderful verse that we usually only read at Christmas? Emmanuel, God with us. But not just somehow alongside, God in us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just a pop in for a cup of tea and then I'm going to leave again. He says, I come to make my home with you. I'm not just popping in. Let's have a quick chat. I'm at home with you. Let's be at home together. The presence of God within us. Um, Interestingly, over the last couple of weeks, um, the the little phrase HMV has come up. I was chatting to Meg about it, um, and Colin brought it up in the prayer meeting this morning. But when I was a kid, HMV, you didn't hear it so much. What you heard was his master's voice. 
That's what I knew it as, first of all, and the little dog listening to the record player and so on. It's his master's voice. He's recognizing. How do you recognize? You stay close and you listen intently. So what does that mean? What's that about? Well, let's dig into a great chapter of the Bible for a minute. Romans chapter 8. Romans, you're going, you're going to go to Romans? Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. We, we, somebody's going to go with us and help us. Okay, so that's all right. It's called the Spirit of Truth. So that's, that's okay. Romans 8, 14 to 16. You see, God, we believe in the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. We believe that God inspired uh, that by the Holy Spirit. He inspired the prophets and, and those who wrote the Bible. He inspired them. He filled them. They weren't robots. They had their own personality and creativity. But it was the word of God. And God uses Paul to declare a great promise to us. Listen to this. First verse, Romans eight fourteen. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you're a child of God, I want to make an implication. We got those verses, Phil, or not? Um, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you are led by the Spirit, you're a child of God. So I want to say, I believe I'm a child of God because I've trusted in Jesus. So I want to be led by the Spirit. You see, it can work it around either way. We were slaves to sin. We were bound up in sin, the Bible says. We were condemned to death, rightly. Justly, by a just God. But verse 15 says, the spirit you've received doesn't take you again into a slavery of fear. Rather, the spirit you've received has done a work of adoption. You've been brought to sonship. And by him, by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. We have this family name. There is an intimacy The Spirit himself testifies there's an inner witness. There's something going on inside that affirms, that confirms in our spirit that we are God's children. We're God's children. Spirits at work in us. It's what we might describe as an inner witness. I'm a child of God. He's my dad. This Greek word, adoption, to sonship that Paul refers, is actually referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. He also uses it in verse 23. You can, you can look it up of Romans 8. But a child would be brought by a, a family uh, into, their, into their wider family, as it were. But he's not just a slave. He's not just a worker. He's not just an outsider, to quote the words of Jesus, who doesn't know his master's business. No, he's given the full rights of a son. He's, he's made an heir. He was an outsider. He was removed. He was far off. But this child, this picture in Roman culture, the child is brought into the family and made an heir. It's adopted. And that's the same word that Paul is saying has happened to us. We were once far off. We were separated, cut off from God. And we have been brought in. We've become heirs with Jesus Christ. It's astonishing. But it's not just cold legalities. It's a it's a in-depth relationship. Abba is that wonderful dad, son, daughter, dad. Come, let's sit, let's talk, let's walk, let's do life together. It's not a, oh, you're, you know, you're over there, you're in on the fringes. No, it's, come on, it's relational. 
It's intimate, incredible. That's the relationship that we have been brought into. Now, I mentioned daughters on purpose because although this is a language of sonship, that's because it's based on this Roman culture of, of legality, of rights and position. It's important to say, though, that this is for everyone, male and female. So girls, you get to be called sons, all right? Guys, you get to be called the bride of Christ. So none of us get away. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, by the one spirit, we all have access. How many of us have access? Well, some of us then, by the sound of it. How many of us have access? By the one spirit, we all have access. That's why I'm going to say over and over again this morning, be filled. Be filled. Why? Because you have access to God. You have access to the full power. The same power that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead is at work in you. One person believes it anyway. It's incredible. You've been brought, you've been given the full rights of sonship. If we knew the tiniest amount of what it means to be a child of God, we could go and take the world. We don't realize who we are in Christ. We don't realize who is in us. We don't realize our position. We all have access. We're not foreigners. Strangers looking on, observing. We are part of God's household. We get to hear his voice. We get to be led by him. Just a quick reminder from the first week, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an inanimate power. Remember that story that Colin shared with us? Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of land and pretended that they gave all the money to the church, but they kept some of it back. And Paul says... Uh, Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you lied to the Holy Spirit? Okay? You can't lie to the wind or electricity. You can only lie to a person. He goes on, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. After Jesus had died and risen again, he met with his disciples numbers of times. It says for 40 days, he shared the kingdom of God with them. He shared many things with them. One of the things was what they were to expect when the Holy Spirit came. So John 14, verse 26, he told them that they were to wait. But he said, when the advocate comes. That's a legal picture again. The one who's going to represent me. The one who's going to stand in the gap. The one who's going to be me within you. When he comes, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Listen to this. He will teach you all things. Let me stop there just for a second. He will teach you. If you're saying, I find the Bible difficult. I find Christian things hard. I find it difficult to understand what's going on. Do you know what I want to say to you? Be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because He will teach you. When you don't know what to say to your colleague at work or across the the garden fence this afternoon when somebody says, oh, did you go to church again? Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Why is there so much? And you go, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. That's what you say. You say, oh, my God, what shall I say? Holy Spirit, teach me. The Holy Spirit teaches you all things, and he will remind you 
of everything I've said to you. So when you find yourself in a situation, I don't know what to say. I thought I knew the answer to this. Holy Spirit, won't you remind me? He's the reminder. You find yourself in a conversation, you think, where did that come from? I'd forgotten I even knew that. He will remind you. So if you need to be reminded of the good things of God, how are you going to do that? Be filled with the Spirit. You get the idea? Be filled with the Spirit. And then 16, John 16, verse 13, Jesus again says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We live in a day in society and culture, don't we, where we need to know what the truth is. People are telling us all the time, this is the truth, that's the truth, come this way, go that way. What is the truth? What it, it, you know, of course, for many in this current day and age, there is no such thing as truth. I actually dare to say there is truth. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is the word of God. The word of God is truth. So the spirit of truth. So God's word is truth. One of the things, talking to one or two people, they said, I used to go to church, but I was never taught the Bible. Now, there might be reasons for that. I want to say to you, we need to love the Bible. We need to get hold of the Bible because it is truth. And the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of God's truth. But if we don't have his word in us, what's he going to remind us of? We need the spirit of, of God to remind us of the words of God. He will guide you. So you're wanting to make decisions. You don't know which way to go. Maybe there's a relationship issue or family issue or finance or work. What are you going to do? Be filled with the Spirit. Why? He will guide you. Amen? So one of the reasons we need to be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit is because he will guide us into truth. Paul prays for the Ephesians. Uh, chapter 1, verse 17. So I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you, capital S, spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need wisdom for this day and age, don't we? We need wisdom for our neighbors. We need wisdom for our children. How am I going to help my children? How am I going to help them in all the things that are being thrown at them daily? We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's a capital S. It's the spirit of God, the spirit of truth. Be filled. Be filled because he will lead and guide So it's important to remember when we're thinking, as we are today, about listening and following, listening to and following the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. He will guide you into truth. So what is one of the most fundamental ways that I know if I'm hearing something? How do I know it's God? What is one of the most foundational ways that I can recognize the voice and the leading of God It's that his words are full of truth, that they will line up with the Bible. The words of the Spirit will not contradict the Bible. They will not add to the Bible, actually. They will be based in the heart of God, which is to be found in the Word of God. Okay, so we we need to be aware of that. So we can actually ask ourselves a question. Whatever it is we're asking God about, whatever way we're wanting to be led and guided... I want to say to you, the first thing we should always say, what does the Bible say? Does it line up with the Bible? Because I believe that the leading of the Spirit will not contradict the Bible. In fact, very often it will be straight from the Bible. 
That's why we need to be soaked in the Spirit and soaked in the Word. Amen? So that as we're soaked in the Word, we are led into truth by the Spirit of truth. We need those two things. That's why we will always say that we love the Spirit and we love the Word and we need them both vitally. One leads us into the other. The words of God, the words of the Holy Spirit will be full of truth. They will also take us deeper and fuller and clearer into an understanding of Jesus, who he is. They will, the words of the Spirit, the leading of God will always promote Jesus. They will not promote us or worldly things or, 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 or human things. Not that those things are necessarily wrong, but the words of God will always put Jesus as the priority. The worship of him, the honoring of God, the obedience of God and his word. Not my rights. I might want to have certain rights. I might want to go to the Bible and try and get it to change what it says. But ultimately, the Bible says what it says and I have to surrender to the word of God. I have to submit to it. But I don't like what it says. Well, then who was Jesus? Why did he die? And do you believe he rose from the dead? Get back to the fundamentals. That's where I start. So the leading of the Spirit will always promote Jesus. It will always uh, enhance who he is. It will increase my desire to worship him. The words and the leading of the Spirit, I believe, will not lead us into confusion. I'm not saying that we might have doubts or fears. I'm not saying we won't have questions at times. But I don't believe if you're feeling led, you're feeling prompted, you're feeling that God is speaking to you, that it will lead you into a place of of confusion or away from God or away from God's people. I want to say if there's anything that begins to completely confuse you and make you debate with the Bible or make you leave God's people, I I would say to you, Take very, very careful note of what you're being led by. It is important, however, to understand that the things of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit is not all, as I call it, bubbles and chocolate and hearts. Okay? It's challenging. I believe, but I believe God is big enough for the challenges of life. This is a verse, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I've often reflected on it and thought about it. I find it a challenging verse. But I think it's an important one. After Jesus had been baptized, he was led by the Spirit. Great. Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Hold on just a minute. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See, sometimes we are are tempted to say, you know, God is good. Yes, he is. Yeah, God wouldn't do that. Hold on just a minute. That's a Bible verse I've told you I believe is from God. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How do we get our head around such a verse? The reality of life is that at times things can be very challenging. So I want to say I am extremely keen to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because I am led by him and nothing else. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I love the fact that Colin started both the meetings with this. They're here already in my, 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 my notes. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There it is wonderfully. He leads me beside 
quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is key to that verse in Matthew chapter 4? How do I begin to get my head around Jesus being led by the Spirit into the desert and to be tempted uh, by the devil? Well, there's probably a lot more theology around that. But one of the things I want to say this, the key bit is he was led by the Spirit. I may find myself in some very challenging places at times, but in faith I hold on to the promise of God that goes right through the whole of the big story of God, right the way through the Bible, Deuteronomy it's there, and then right the way through when God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of death, You are with me. So the Holy Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity. He reminds and speaks the truth to us. He teaches us the good things of God. He leads and guides us in the ways of God. Just want to underline here to say, you can all hear from God. I want to say that to you, but first of all, there needs to be a surrendering of your life, acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. And believing that God wants to lead you and speak to you. That's a belief. That's a faith thing. You have to make a choice to say, I'm recognizing Jesus has died for me. That God does want to speak to me and lead me. So we we need to consider that. But how? I want to get in now, in these last 15, 20 minutes or so, into some practicalities. How, How does God speak? How do we recognize his voice? How do we respond. One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Sometimes described as the Acts of the the, uh, Apostles, the followers of Jesus, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But listen to this, Acts 13 verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Okay, how? How? How did the Holy Spirit say to them? Well, what's so important with verses that we never take them just on their own. We need to look at the verses above and below. We need to look at the chapter above and below to give a context of what is going on. The first clue that helps us is this. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting. HMV, his master's voice, you remember? While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, their focus and their attention was on Jesus. They were giving him worship. They were giving him praise, conscious and deliberate attention. Now you might say, we have a tradition, we have a shape in the way we do our prayer meetings and the way we do our Sunday meetings. But there is a reason why we start with Jesus. Why we start, even we don't start with the limitations of the preacher. We start by declaring the praises of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, now we are the people of God. We start with Jesus. We worship and we pray. We remind ourselves of Jesus. Now, God willing, the preaching will also help to do that as well. Surely that's what they would have been doing. They would have been reminding each other, do you remember what the Lord said? Do you remember what the Lord said? Do you remember what the Lord said? 
Letters would have begun to be passed around. Some of the writings that Luke was gathering up, maybe at this time, are beginning to be read and passed around. Do you remember the Torah? Do you remember the Old Testament? See what God had done. You remember the day of Pentecost? They would have been reminding themselves. How does God speak? He speaks to his people as they fix their eyes on Jesus. Colin was reminding me of a phrase that Angela Kem used with us a number of times, which we love, and I I forgot to mention it in the first meeting. But Angela says, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus and we walk forward. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, it's as though we trip over the purposes of God that he has laid out for us. But we, what we do is we fix our eyes on him. We're not going, oh, well, you know, what's God saying? Where, you know, what's happening? And hunting around. Fix your eyes on Jesus and walk forward and the revelation begins to come. Okay? So they were worshipping the Lord and they were fasting. There was conscious, deliberate attention upon Jesus and the things of Jesus. And as there is conscious and deliberate attention, we believe as a church for us individually and us corporately, Jesus will speak to us by the Holy Spirit. He will speak. Now, another clue is that if you read the verse before, which I didn't uh, ask Phil to put up, but it says the verse before, it says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Okay, so actually what we've got there are two fundamental gifts of the Holy Spirit. God gives gifts to build and encourage and strengthen to help us. Okay, In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. That's another clue. Now, we're going to come back to the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm not going to go in depth into that today. But just simply to say, in 1 Corinthians 14, you really begin to see this being unpacked. And one of the things about prophecy is it says, 14 verse 3, Everyone who prophesies speaks to men and women for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So there's a sense together where the word of the Lord comes as we're fixing our eyes on Jesus and God begins to speak and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me. And you can find in other parts in Acts where it says, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. As we fixed our eyes on Jesus, as we prayed, as we worshipped, as we fasted, there was an inner witness. Why? Because we are the children of God. Because the spirit of truth is in us who will lead us and guide us. And so, the Holy, and so you get a wonderful phrase, the Holy Spirit said. Holy Spirit said. But it, how, how was it? Was it some booming voice? No. They were fixing their eyes on Jesus. There might have been a, a booming voice. But the reality is, you look through scripture, it says God leads his people by the gifts of his spirit, by the presence of his spirit within his people. Amen? Okay. So, what do we know so far? The voice of the Holy Spirit will be truthful, be lined with the Bible. It will remind us and point us to the good things of God. It will highlight and enlarge the person and work of Jesus. He will be the primary focus, and it will be for our strengthening our encouragement and our comfort and for that of others. Okay, now I want to say though, when we talk about prophecy, I come from a background in recent years where prophecy has been a, an amazing gift and of course Paul says, eagerly desire the, gift of pro- um, the spiritual gift, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because it builds and strengthens and feeds the local church. That's why we should eagerly desire it. But we need to recognize that the prophetic is not perfect. 
This is perfect. This is the Word of God. We love the Word of God. Okay? This is where we start. And all prophecy needs to line up with this. And if it doesn't, then chuck it out. Bluntly, don't chuck this out. Chuck the prophecy out, not this. Okay? Don't try and twist it either and make it fit this. Let this be the guide. That's what's so important. Okay? So the prophetic... So we... uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9. We love to get prophetic words. We love people to give us that. But we need to remember we know in part and we prophesy in part. That's why we need to weigh prophecy. That's why we need to weigh it against Scripture and the wisdom that God gives us together through that Scripture. So I want to say this as we think practically just for the, these last sort of 10, 15 minutes. I want to just think practically for a moment. I want to say this. Just because a door is open doesn't necessarily mean it's God. There's a pin drop. Now, if I'd have said that 30 years ago in the type of church I was in, there would have been an audible gasp. Because the open door of God, some of you are nodding, but having an open door was the way God leads us. Ah, it's an open door, so it's the Lord's. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that open doors are not God. What I'm saying is, just because the door's open, has the Lord asked you to walk through it? There might be two or three different open doors. How do you know which one to walk through? That's often more the case. Now, funny little throwaway line. Somebody once said to me, you know, are you loving the Lord and following him? I said, yes. He said, which one do you want to go through? Well, that one. Well, then that's what God wants. But anyway, because sometimes I used to think God's an ogre and he doesn't really want a nice thing from me. He wants a horrible thing for me. I had a completely wrong view of God. Um, But that's maybe just a freebie on the side, okay? But how do we know? How do we know? I'm going to look for different forms of confirmation. I'm going to look for God to lead. There may be an open door. There may be an offer, an opportunity. There may be something that seems good. How do I know? Well, I'm going to look for other forms of confirmation. The first place, as I've said, and that's why this book is in front of all these other books. I'll explain them in a second. I'm going to go to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? Does it line up with His Word? It's vital. I'm also going to go to the confirmation and wisdom of trusted friends. Friends, family, husbands, wives, children that love the Lord, particularly those who love the Lord. I'm going to ask them what they think, what they feel about a situation. And I'm going to go to people who are not just going to say what I want to hear. In fact, I want to say to you that if in your mind you're thinking, I want to go and talk to such and such, I'm not going to go and talk to them because they won't won't tell me what I want to hear. I want to say to you, they're probably the very people you should be talking to. But you know, Proverbs says there is wisdom with many counsellors. You might think that's a bit odd, you know, I don't want too many voices. But what I think Proverbs is saying there is it's talking about a confirming heart of the Spirit. So I go to my dearest and closest friend, which in my case is my wife, Jackie, and I share something, and there is an immediate, yeah, I think that, I think that, that rings true to me. I think that's right. I go to other friends, and they say, yeah, I, I, I can hear God in that. I see God in that. I might have a friend who says, oh, I don't know, you know, just need to be aware of this, aware of that, and you think, yeah, I need to hear that. I need to hear that. 
You might have a friend who says, I'm not sure that's God at all. Um, I'm going to have to go away and think about that. And then maybe they come back later and say, yeah, I've been thinking, actually, I can see. But you get that confirmation of trusted friends. You know, it's hard sometimes. This is a bit of a little pastoral thing. I've been involved in this church 23 years. But sometimes people will come to you as a leader and they'll say, God has said. I have to tell you, that's a very hard one to argue against. When somebody says, God has said. Sometimes, occasionally, they will tell me something and I think, has God said? So I want to hear their story. I want to hear some confirmation. I want to hear what others have said because I've got a bit of a check in my spirit, which is the spirit of God. I'm a child of God. I want to pastor them and care for them, bless. I don't want to control. I don't want to contain. I want to release and bless. But I've also been asked by God to care and pastor. And so I want to hear their story. What has God said through his word? What has God said through the husband or the wife of that person if they're married? Or what has God said by, by other close godly friends? I also want to find out from them what has God said historically to them? What has God said in the past? Does it line up with what has happened in the past? So I want to say to you that I think it's a really good thing to do is to make a note of the things that God says to you. Significant prophetic words you're given. Go back over them. Look at them. Does what you're hearing today line up with what God has said in the past? Now, God may be wanting to say some new things. Of course. Of course he might. But actually, there will be echoes. There will be whispers of that, I believe, often historically in things that God has said to you. So that's what these books are all about. This is what this is all about. I'm a bit of a, a journaler in some ways. I don't do it every day. But some of these books are sermons, so they're not, they're not, all, they're not all journals, purely in that sense. Sermons of other people, by that I mean. Because when I listen to a sermon, sometimes just God will just speak. There's something will leap out at me, and when I'm writing it down, I make an asterisk. And I go back, and I'll look at it, and years later I'll go back, and I remember being in that sermon. But these are also journals of of things that God has said and how he's led me. So um, I was just having a quick laugh. This is the very, very first one. And I collect all sorts of things. People give me emails, and this goes back way before emails were ever invented, this one. Um, So there's bits of articles, and there's adverts, and all sorts of things. But I was um, chuckling, if I can even, amongst all the bits of paper, find the first page. Um, Here. This is 1984. I'm 20. I've been married about um, six months, and uh, I really felt I was getting bored with EastEnders after tea, because it just started 32 years ago. Um, But I wrote this. I got a book, found it, and I wrote this. A commitment to God to give at least 10% of my wages from now, October 84. Okay. The thing that makes me laugh is the next line underneath. When it says, I've failed many times at this already. Praise God, he still loves me and is is still the same. (laughs) Which is a a month or three later on. But I began to write down the things that God said. And so in this one, you'll find the story of how God led us here to Swindon. um, And uh, through Bible college and, and through the birth of our first child and second child and then here to Swindon. This one is my Africa book, okay? 
When Donna first asked me on behalf of New Frontiers to take a group of people to South Africa and Lesotho in 2004, um, I felt prompted to write in this book. And then every time afterwards, which I think was nearly 11 different times of the privilege of leading teams, I took this book. And I, as soon as the plane began to taxi, I would write something. And this book talks about me meeting Steve Oliver, great father in the Lord who we love, and, and how he impacted me and how he impacted this church. And He's moved today. He's at, um, in London now for a season. We're looking forward to having him around a bit more. But it tells the story of that and how God spoke to me and led me in all sorts of ways. This one, this one's a bit of a beastie, this one. Okay, I'm just trying to give you an idea. This in here are prayers, Bible verses, emails, um, all sorts of things. This is really my whole history of my ministry here at, uh, at this church. 23 years of, of God leading, including leading the team and all the other things, and how God led, um, and all the different things that God was saying to us, and people that God spoke to us through in all sorts of different ways. <laughs> okay, January 11th, 2012, it starts a very bad day. It's when I got unwell, but it's real. But God was there. God was speaking to, even though I walked through the darkest veil, you are with me. And I could read you on that very day, which for me was a very, very hard day, a day where I hit a brick wall, God is speaking. Right here, you can see, and page after page where God speaks. I want to encourage you, what has God said? What has he said to you? What he's saying now, I believe, will line up with the things he said. But we also need to go back and remind ourselves of the truth that he's spoken to us. We need to remind ourselves of the good things that he has said. There is another one here. This is a new one. It's just started. I'll tell you about that one another day. Okay? Going to come to a conclusion in just a moment. So, how does God lead? Through His Word, through trusted friends, historically. Go back and look at those things. I want to say this Do you have faith? Is there an inner witness? Do you have faith for it? You see, it can be very, very challenging. If you did a risk assessment on it, it might all be read. But what is God saying? Because I'm going to be led by God, not by man. I'm going to trust him even when man says, no, I want to listen to the wisdom of others. I want to listen to the wisdom uh, of the world. I want to do risk assessments appropriately, but I want to have faith in Jesus. I want to trust him. So I want to say to you, do you have an inner witness? Do you have faith for it? And by that, I want to say, do you have a realistic assessment of yourself? Who are you at your core? That was a question that was asked me during that time. Somebody, a dear pastor, said to me, Mark, who are you at your core? What are you, when you strip everything else away, what are you really? And I knew that I knew what I was and who I was. And I had to go back to that. And God, and so the world might be saying, are you sure you should be doing that? Are you sure you should be going there? Are you sure that you should take a four-year-old and a six-year-old and leave a very good job for a very nice, nice Baptist manse and move to a weird place like Swindon with no schools, no job, no prospects? What on earth, swear word, swear word, are you thinking doing moving there? Because God has said. God is building his church. God is about a great work and we're going to get up in our 20s and we're going to go. 
We haven't got it all planned. We haven't got it all sorted. We don't know where we're going to live. We don't know about the schools. But do you know what? God provided, God provided, God provided. Over and over again in so many ways. But we, we hear from God and in faith we step out. We step out. I'm going to leave it there. Those of you who are in, in community groups, there'll be some other notes. Can I invite you to stand? There's one more thing that I believe God leads us. Peace. My peace I give to you, said the Lord Jesus. It's not as the world gives. I want to say to you, however challenging, however provoking, however much the risk assessment might be flashing red, do you have God's peace? Because the peace of God passes understanding. It's beyond human understanding. And the peace of God, in my experience of, certainly as a family of 32 years of marriage and ministry a bit longer than that, is so often, it's not the great big shouting, clashing, thus says the Lord, it's the peace of God. Even in the challenge, even in the big, big courage step, do you have peace? I want to say to you today, if you're tempted to go against your conscience please don't don't turn against the voice of the Lord don't turn against the word of the Bible I know the Bible's tough in places I know it's challenging but I believe it's given by God to bless us to build us to strengthen us to protect us when some people are saying to you certain things and you'd rather they weren't I want to encourage you listen to them but also I want to say to you Listen to the inner witness of the Spirit. Be led by the peace of God. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Don't go against your conscience. If your wife is not with you, wait. If your husband is not ready, wait. Wait for peace together. Go together. Walk in it together. Don't run ahead of one another Walk in the peace of God. Yes, we need to lead one another. We need to encourage one another. But I believe God will give a peace together. I just want to say to you, if you know right now that you need to be led by the Spirit more and more in these days, if you're, if you're needing to know God's leading and guiding, can I invite you, just where you are, just put a hand up as a, as a, as a saying, Lord, lead me in these days. Lord, lead me in these days. Maybe it's about financial decision. Maybe it's about a relational decision. Maybe it's about real need for wisdom with your children. Have you confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? Do you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead? If you're a follower of Christ, you can hear the voice of Jesus. I say to you today, be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with... Know that you are a child of God. Know that you are loved by him. Know that he loves to feed you and bless you and encourage you. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, he will be with you. Now be filled. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray for ears that are blocked right now. I say, be opened in the name of Jesus. Lord, for hearts that have got hardened, I say in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, let the rain of your spirit come and soften. Let fruit come in lives today. Fruit of people that are led by the spirit. 
led by the Spirit, courageous and bold, not rash, but full of faith, believing God, hearing his voice. And Lord, may we be a blessing to one another. Lord, thank you for all the words and pictures and, and scriptures that I've got in these, in these books. Lord, many of them, many of them given by other people. Lord, may we be a blessing to one another. As we hear your voice, may we go across the room more and more in these days and say, I just feel, can I bless you? Look, I just want to say to you today, if your heart is to bless, if your heart is to be a blessing, trust God that that is a good thing. And go and begin to speak what God gives you. Just lay it before them. If someone gives you a word, weigh it. In all the ways that I've just taught, weigh it before the Lord. But hear the good things of God. Be built. Lord, I speak to this church today. Lord, that we might be built and strengthened and encouraged. Lord, not just that we would feel good, but for your glory, Lord, that those who don't yet know you might be saved and added into your kingdom and into your church. Father God, that we might be people who are motivated and led by the Spirit of God. Thank you that you're a speaking God. Thank you that you speak to us. Fill us, Lord. Fill us. We want to hear your voice. Make us sensitive to your voice. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.